prayer works. Uh, I want to say this scientifically, literally prayer works. Even for non-believers, it, re- it reduces stress, increases optimism, enhances self-esteem. It actually regulates heartbeats. It's been this way since the foundation of the world. Now, for believers, it's much more than that. It's dialogue with our God. It's our meditation. It's our surrender to the power that guides us and watches over us. If it's done correctly, it humbles us. It's our connection to revelation and tranquility. We know that prayer can save us, protect our loved ones, our leaders, our nation, and that's why believers do it. So that kind of covers everybody, really. Um, Today, our guest believes strongly in the power of prayer. And as a football coach, he had a ritual of praying after games. You'll hear why. Players then started to join him kneeling in uh, on the 50-yard line. Players eventually from both teams. He wasn't praying over the loudspeaker and demanding people to join. He was praying quietly. And anyone who wanted to join him was welcome to. He didn't invite them. They asked if they could join. He said, it's a free country. Well, people didn't like that. The school board said he had violated uh, school policy on religious-related activities and practices. But even the local school and school board were reasonable about things. He complied for a minute, not for long, because then the attorneys got involved. He went back to praying publicly, and it cost him his job. But before he was a coach, he served 20 years in the Marine Corps, defending the rights and freedoms, kind of their thing, kind of what he did for 20 years. In the end, he decided to sue the school and stand up for the First Amendment. The Supreme Court is expected to hear this case in just a few weeks. Here's what I want to know. Why is anyone threatened by someone offering a silent prayer? And is there still room for God in this country or or will we have to fight for our faith all the way to the highest court in the land over and over and over again? Don't answer that. Let's see how the Supreme Court answers that today on the Glenn Beck podcast. Coach Joe Kennedy. If you're somebody who is in pain a lot, uh, may I suggest there is some hope you know, I was on the gridiron for so many years when I was younger, played college ball, uh, was uh, in the NFL for a while. And man, oh, man, the pain in my knees and everything else. That's why I take relief factor. Actually, I did none of those things and I was still in pain. So, so much for staying in shape, right? Um, relief factor attacks inflammation which is the major source of our pain in four different ways not a drug but developed by doctors try it out please 70 percent of the people who try it go on to order more so drug-free natural way get your life back it's relieffactor.com that's relieffactor.com now i gotta get back onto the gridiron Hi, Joe. How you doing? Very good. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, I'm actually. I'm. I read this case that you're involved in is so important. Important and excuse the pun, but game changing. I think if you 
if you win and especially if you lose. Um, but I, I've done some research on your life story and you have a fascinating life story. Can you just like literally start at the beginning? Uh, sure. Okay. It's funny. I was sitting out on the bench. Uh, you got out there for Forrest Gump and I felt, I feel very much like him. It's like, it's Ooh. just my life. Yeah. You know? It's life's like a bowl <laughs> yeah. of box of chocolates. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, it started out, uh, I was adopted my parents, uh, they couldn't have kids. They, they were just, were a good Catholic family and you know, you've got to have a lot of kids and mm -hmm. They couldn't have them, and they adopted a girl. About a year later, they adopted me. And uh, a few years later, through nature uh, or through science or by the nature of God, mm -hmm. uh, they started having kids, and they started popping them out like crazy. <laughs> and after five kids, they really didn't need my sister and I anymore. Oh, my gosh. So we sat down um, when I was about seven. You know, I figure I was just a happy, rambunctious kid, about seven. And then they told us that we were adopted, and— it kind of drove a wedge right there, and I became one of those really angry kids. And over mm. the next couple of years, I completely derailed. Okay, so wait, why did they tell you you were adopted? It, were they, they didn't you know, need I, you anymore? Yeah. What, what do you mean? How did you know that they felt that way? Uh, I was told them many times. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the worst thing they ever did was the day they adopted me and stuff like that. Oh. And, but but to their defense, I was a terrible, terrible kid. I, <laughs> I mean, there's no easy way to say it. I. I was a kid that you would not want your kids around anywhere. Mm, okay. So uh, that takes you up to about seven years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, then what, what happens? Is this when you go to Mount Rainier fishing? <laughs> I, I basically did everything from that age. I, I was uh, in and out of group homes, foster homes. Um, uh, because they gave you up? They basically kicked me out and I ran away between, okay. between both of those. Um, I, I went and stayed at a bunch of different places. Okay. Uh, through the grace of God, I had some neighbors next door that I still call my, my parents. And they're the ones that basically raised me, kept a camper open. So I had a place wow. to sleep at night. And yeah, I... But I technically, you were still... You still had the the foster. I mean, the actual adoptive parents. Right. They You're were still. Okay. Yeah, they were still around, but I didn't want to have anything to do with them, and they didn't want to have anything to do with me. They actually moved away while I was gone at one of the oh my foster gosh. homes, and wow. I didn't even tell me. Wow. And so then, there's one point in your life where you go fishing up at Mount Rainier, and you say it was the best day, maybe my research is wrong, best day of your life, just you and your dad. Oh, yeah, so uh, up at Port Angeles. Okay, all right. Yeah, so um, he, out of the blue, he said, hey, let's go on, on a vacation. I'm like, just you two? Just us two. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm like, okay, what's the catch here? And he How goes, old? I was probably, probably 11 or 12, okay. somewhere right in there. All right. And this is the first time him and I have really done anything together. It's, I mean, just one-on-one -on -one. because he was always busy with his kids. And mm -hmm. so we went up there and uh, we went fishing, had a great weekend. It was one of those bonding things you always dream about, you mm -hmm. know, the dad and son, you know, yeah, weekend. Yeah. And man, I was just, I was like, man, this is just, it's changed my life completely. And I, I got back to the house and uh, he said, um, just stay in the car for a minute. And so I'm like, all right. I didn't think anything of it. Comes over and puts a bunch of stuff in the trunk and gets in the car. And I'm like, what's going on? And he started driving. He said, well, 
the reason why I took you up there is because we needed to pack up the house and, and get you um, sent to this boy's home over in Eastern Washington. Oh my gosh. I said a couple choice words, I'm sure. And then it was a oh dead gosh. quiet silence what of a just loathing the whole time of there. What a betrayal. Yeah. So then what happened? Ended up at a, it was a Christian boys home and uh, they, they were awesome. Um, there were some guys that were really manly men, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, didn't have a problem picking me up by the neck and mm -hmm. put me through a wall right. when I needed it. But there was also the guys that uh, really sowed, you know, good, good words into you. And they, they taught me about what, what it means to be a follower. And I, of course, I rebelled for months and months. And um, it was kind of a challenge. They said, you know, just try it. You know, what do you got to lose? You're, you're here anyway. So... I tried out the God thing, and when I was there, it fit me like a great suit. I was just, man, this is awesome, you know? When God works in your life, it was just mm -hmm. really great. And we had devotions and, you know, prayer time and um, scripture readings and everything. So it was, when you're surrounded by it, it's, it's easy to do. Mm -hmm. Soon as I left the boys' home, I, of course, went right back to my default and became that little terror again. And my life just kind of, spiraled out of control until i joined the marine corps and the marine corps will beat that out of you yes <laughs> yeah it's amazing some of the things that i need you know yeah. some some of the kids i coached you know the, they needed a, a a firm you know yeah. grasp by the helmet yeah. every once in a while and some of them just needed a hug and i was able to get a lot of my my training for being a, a coach from the boys home and, and through all those experiences um i have a good friend who works for me now um he had pretty much the same experience that you had um, except he was never adopted um, and uh, he he was I think 12 or 13 and uh, on his own you know rented a place I don't even know how but got a job rented a place um, no heat I mean you did this for yeah. a while didn't you yeah I was a teenager I had my own apartment in in uh, Bremerton it, how do you do that as a Teenager. Well, at, at the time, it's easy. You just, you know, you, you get to know some of the not so savory people in town and they have these little slums. And I was like, hey, I need a place. And he charged me 200 bucks and I had no electricity, but I had a roof over my head. I had running water. Um, a and, bed. and how were you earning the 200 bucks? Uh, I don't know if I should really go into a lot of that, but uh, I did have a job part time. But also I, you know, lied, cheated, stole. I, I did all the things that you shouldn't do to earn money. Huh. Um, and then uh, when did you, you, you went to the Marine Corps, you were in Desert Storm. Yes, that is correct. Spent yeah. 20 years, uh, did just about everything, started out from a, a diesel mechanic and I had a knack for training. So I became everything there is to train, uh, the martial arts program, swim instructor, yeah. rifle range, uh, anything I could possibly do for excitement. I, I was that, and I ended up being the senior enlisted for a reserve unit, uh, out of Portland, Oregon, when I retired. Wow. Seattle, Portland. How are you not a communist? I, you know, I'm a fighter. I think I could think for myself mostly. I don't, yeah. I don't buy into the news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, when did you get married when you in the service? 
Uh, well, I proposed to my wife when we were nine. And uh, she told me I was creepy, so that didn't work out. Wait, okay. She was nine and you were nine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. it would have been creepy if, it, it, if she were nine and you were, let's say, 20. That would be a little be, creepier. Yeah, that'd yeah. be creepy. Yeah. yeah, sure. Yeah, but we're both nine years old, and I, I proposed to her, and she said I was creepy and went in the house. And from that moment so on, funny. my brother and I fought endlessly over who was going to marry Denise, and I whooped his butt that day. And uh, yeah, I, I went 31 years later when I was about to get out of the Marine Corps. I reconnected with her and it was like the first day I saw her and it, that was it. We, we got married and- Does and she remember since. you asking her at nine? Oh yeah. 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 She still thinks it's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if she would have listened, we could have been married for what, you know, 40 something years now. Yeah. It would have been great. <laughs> uh, so, so when you got married, because if I understand you right, you're not you are a a religious man you deeply believe but you're not like a bible quoter kind of guy yeah. right no right. yeah i i couldn't tell you you know i i know there's a couple verses you know like fight the good fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I probably have a lot of references that sound biblical so right. i kind of roll with those a lot uh, right. my biggest thing is trying to love god and love others and i suck at that and i spend half my time thanking god for what he's given me and the other half the time asking for forgiveness because i screwed it up really yeah, yeah. um it was your wife real real religious yeah she she would be somebody i would consider religious she was grew up in the church uh, she had a really rough childhood um real rough marriage and mm. very abusive background and Ugh. she really attached herself to god and got her through all of those you know hard times in her life and that's how i ended up going is she kept asking me every sunday just once hey want to go to church and of course i was too busy i wanted to watch football sure. work in my car anything well, then my son said, well, if he doesn't have to go, do I have to go? Uh, yeah. See, I, I, uh, I did the opposite. I asked my current wife to uh, marry me, uh, and she said no. And I said, why? And she said, because we don't have a faith that we share. Oh. And uh, I said, oh, church doesn't work. I said, you come over to my house on Sunday. I've been watching HBO all morning, and I'm good. And you come <laughs> over pissed because somebody was yelling at the parking lot, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and it, it, she was right. I mean, it's, I don't know if we could make it without God. There's too many things that happen along the way that if you don't have an understanding of something bigger that holds you together, I don't, I don't know if you can make it. Yeah, that's actually how um, we made it. Uh, because the first uh, couple of years we were, we were married, it was, it was really tough because, you know, all the abuse she went through. And I mean, to the point where she was in a woman's shelter to hide from her oh uh, ex-husband. And so she had a lot of barriers up and a lot of defenses, and I didn't know how to break through them. And it finally came to the point where, I, you know, I'm sitting in church, you know, pounding and sitting mm -hmm. on my hands. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. Being defiant as always. And... I mean, I, I couldn't break through and it was wearing on both of us. And she kept trying to push me away. And finally I broke down and, and right there in church, I ran up to the, to the altar thing they have and way off to the side, cause I don't want to be front center, <laughs> way off to the side. And I just fell down and I, 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 I cried out to God, Hey, you got to help me with this. I can't do this on my own. And if you help me with my marriage, I will give my life to you for, for the rest of my days. And my wife, 
came up and saw that and it broke down every barrier she had and we just sobbed together right there in front of the whole church which was now i think kind of embarrassing but at at the time i didn't know Mm -hmm. I, i was the only person it was just me and god up there so we found out this week that inflation is up 8.5. That's what it's currently. Um, if you if you score it, if you will, the way we used to measure uh, inflation back in 1980, we are at 17.1. Bad news is it's only going up from there. If you are looking to save money without sacrificing quality, then please check out Good Ranchers. This is delicious american meat to your door it, it not only has to be the best product out there at the best price but in my in my feeling it, it needs to be american beef this is 100 percent american meat at a great price good ranchers these are american ranchers who are like why what's happening here <laughs> want to sell it directly to you you will get $30 off their already low prices, plus free shipping if you go to GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. You can do a one-time order or subscribe and save an additional $25 on each box. But this is the real key. If you subscribe, your price will never go up for the life of your subscription, which, I mean, they may go out of business because of this. I mean, inflation is coming, and you can't get a deal like that anywhere else. Inflation-proof meat? Good ranchers. And if you don't buy the meat in your house, tell the person who does to check them out. GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. GoodRanchers.com slash Glenn. So I guess maybe we should bring your uh, your counselor in, uh, your attorney at this point. No, the smart uh, guy. Yeah, Jeremy Dice. Uh, he is from... Uh, uh, First Liberty Institute, been on the program several times. What you guys do at First Liberty is remarkable. Um, it's weird that you are this guy who you're not, you know, a Bible thumper. You don't necessarily seem to be the guy who's like, hey, I want to be out in front. Um, and uh, you're not. uh you don't strike me as the guy who's just trying to rope everybody in. Yeah, I'm just an average schmuck who just wanted to coach football. Right. So you're coaching football um, in Bremerton, right? That is correct. There's your first mistake. Yeah. I mean, I grew up. But it's I grew my up in the Pacific. Town, you know? I know. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, you understand. Yeah, I love it. Uh, but I just don't think I could live there with the craziness yes. now. It's just. It's beyond crazy. It's beyond crazy. Yeah. Um, so this starts maybe when 2008 2008 uh, when i was asked to start coaching okay that's my first year and because i know i did the same thing i screwed the first part of my life up like crazy right and completely surrendered to the lord and i made him a promise i will do what you tell me to do and it's led me into some crazy places you know and i always know it's him when when I hear something and I'm like, oh, crap, no, yeah. I'm not that guy. Yeah. That's Warp, when you know. Warp sense of humor. Yeah. He, he's, yeah, he does. He's up there laughing all he, the time. Oh, he, yeah. he says, you'll figure this out yeah, eventually. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know what it means to me because I made a covenant with him. And right. I take that seriously. You obviously take this seriously. And you promised you'd serve him. And didn't you promise him that you would pray after every game? Yes, I, I watched face. I got offered the job uh, on a Friday, 
Uh, I applied, went to the interview. They offered it to me. I said, give me the weekend to think about it because I just got out of the Marine Corps. I had a new marriage. I, I was really trying to figure out my life. And, you know, you know how much coaching could take. It's going mm-hmm. to be consuming. And in the middle of the night, I was flipping through HBO, Cinemax, all the other mm-hmm. channels. And this movie came on, Facing the Giants. Mm-hmm. And once again, God put me right to my knees. And I, I, I heard the answer louder than anything in the world. I mean, he answered. And just right there on, on living room floor, I said, I, I, I'm all in. I will give you the glory after every game, win or lose, right there on the battlefield. And that was my covenant to him. And from the moment I started coaching to the moment I ended my coaching career for doing the same thing, praying by myself on the 50-yard line. So in 2008, you start this. How long before it becomes a problem? I was in my eighth season before. Eight years you're doing this. And kids are joining you? Yeah, so it was on and off. So there's a, the famous two helmet that the, the other side likes to show and say, look, he's praying with the kids. Yeah, I, I did that. But when the school district said to stop, I absolutely did. But it was hit and miss. You know, kids, uh, yeah. sometimes it, we got our butts kicked and they didn't want to come out and, you know, have a, a moment of peace. They just wanted to lick their wounds and, and yeah, you know, right, right, right. they needed a hug. Or if we won really good, they wanted to go, you know, hang out with the cheerleaders and bands and do all the selfies and all those kind of things. So it it wasn't mandatory. It was nothing. It was, it was such a, did you ask them to join? No. And that's a crazy thing. I sat there, you know, just racking my brain. Have I even, even asked anybody to join me or have I even talked about God once to any of my guys? And I went through, I mean, eight years, 60 people on a team. That's a lot of opportunities. And I wrecked my brain. I put it out on Facebook. I put it, it was like, have I ever done this? Because, you know, you talk to kids yeah. so much in, the, in that time. But never once did I invite them or any of the other so coaches. So how they just saw you praying and they decided to come and pray? Yeah, originally I had a couple kids that approached and said, hey, coach, what, what have you been doing out there? This is about six months into, the, into me coaching. And they said, uh, you know, what are you doing? I said, well, I was just thanking God for what you guys did. And they said, well, we're believers. Can we join you? Well, I was like, it's a free country. You can do whatever you want to do. Right. And that's how that originally started. Then some more kids came out, then some more. And then uh, I had a couple of the kids on my team that were team captains. And they said, hey, can we invite the other team? I'm like, this is your team. You're the leaders of this team. You do what you want to do. And they started inviting the other team. And last year uh, that I was in my eighth season, we had um, every one of the teams out there both coming together until the school district uh, asked me to stop. I have to tell you, the first time I, my son plays football, first time I went to a football game watching him and they all got on their knees and prayed, uh, I, I was just overwhelmed. I mean, I, I, I thanked God I lived in Texas uh, where, you know, you can join or not join. Right. Uh, it's no big deal. Um, I, I don't understand. So then how did the, how did this all come down? They first said, hey, coach, and they liked you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're still friends to this day. Yeah. The, the superintendent, I, I consider him a dear friend. He's a great believer. Um, this is people that I've worked with for almost a decade. And it came from a compliment from one of the other school districts and said, uh, they called the principal and said, hey, what your football program is doing is really awesome. 
So, of course, they had to, you know, play the telephone game. And, you know, the principal asked the athletic director, hey, what's Kennedy doing? Athletic director went to the head coach. Kennedy's getting us in trouble because of the prayer. The principal's asking about it. Mm. Kind of spun all out of control in in just one weekend. And and that's what it came down to was was, uh, them doing a – you know, investigation, but we were, we really did try to work together for a good week. Um, at least a week, we, we sat down every day. I sat down with the superintendent, the principal, um, other members of the administration, the school board, trying to figure out a way to exit out of this mess we were in because no, none of us wanted a fight. Right. And you weren't doing it to, uh, to turn everybody to Jesus. You were doing it personally for you and your covenant right and i thought we that's where we it was going to end um the you know my my buddy here will tell you about you know the legal aspects of it but i thought it was going to be over in one week and it would just all blow over because i agreed with the school district hey you don't want me praying with the kids you know with my team fine i won't do it anymore because i don't want to cause any problems i just want to coach and so i thought we were in all agreement over that it wasn't until they started moving the goalposts on me and saying, oh, well, this and that. And then their legal counsel got involved and they said, you can't talk to us anymore. You need to talk to the lawyers. And I was handcuffed. I couldn't do anything else, which really sucks when these are your friends and you can't even talk to them. So when did you get involved, Jeremy? Oh, about midway through the season. So when when the, he gets the first letter and you know, he agrees not to, to, uh, to talk, uh, pray with the kids anymore and all that, then they keep on kind of making more insistent uh, requirements of him. Like what? Well, uh, they first say, well, uh, you know what? It's taking you away from your job responsibilities with after the game with the kids. You know, So 15 seconds on a knee in silent prayer would keep him from doing his job duties after the game. So they suggest instead, well, rather than do that, why don't you walk across the field, go across the track, walk up the stairs, two flights of stairs, go across the practice field, into the school building, down the hallway, into the janitor's office, and you can pray there instead. Now, I haven't stepped Seriously? that Seriously? Yeah. That was an accommodation. That was one. Yeah. The that, second- that, that would keep you from doing your job. Uh, uh, I mean, that, that would help you do your job what? with the kids. No. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Okay. The alternative, by the way, and they, they said, well, not only would that take you away from the job duties, but we don't want people seeing you doing this either, because that could be coercion in and of itself, they say. So he could do either go into the school building and do it there, or again, walk across the field, up the stairs, outside of the stadium, go back down the sidewalk, into a side gate, up the stairs, across a catwalk, and into the press box. And then he'd have to clear everybody out of the press box because people can't be seen, you know, couldn't see him doing this. Uh, but then the, you have the other problem of these gigantic windows and the entire school, uh, you know, everybody that gathered there to be able to see him doing what he's doing there in the in the. So this was just untenable. This is not something that could be done. I'd love that look. <laughs> this is insane. You know what's crazy? I was thinking about this um, today, getting ready for this interview, and I thought, let me get this right. My kindergartner or first grader can go into school, and the teacher can teach about transgenderism, talk about their their gay lover or whatever they want to talk about, and I have to accept that, but you can't pray quietly on your own. This world is as the lunatics are running the asylum. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's precisely what this case is about. Because think about both of those options that are offered. 
that's sending the message, and this is what Coach told us at the beginning. Look, I can't accept those, number one, that's not my commitment. My commitment was to pray by myself. Number two, if they ask me to go off in the school building or up into the press box, well, that's kind of sending the message that prayer is something we need to keep out of yes. sight and hidden from view. Uh, and the First Amendment does not require us to have to go and you know push ourselves off to the corners in order to practice our faith, especially if it's just simply taking a knee, like he's tying a shoe in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. Uh, so that's where we got involved. And we just simply said, look, Honestly, this is going to be about a three-week project for us. But we're going to come in. Okay, he stopped praying with the kids. Good, we're done. It's 50 yards wide, the football field is. Surely somewhere on that 50-yard line, over 50 yards, he can actually sit, take a knee in, in silent prayer by himself. But the school district's attorneys I just, just entrenched themselves, and that would not be the case, which is kind of funny because now they're saying that he, was, he wants to continue to pray with the kids. <laughs> That's not the commitment he made. That's not it at all. Yeah, they're telling me what I want to do now. Ah, okay. They, they want to know what my commitment Well, they always yeah. know better than you. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so did me, the judges, of So, course. yeah. So, so let me ask, the lawyers, were they just doing what lawyers always do, and that is just don't do any, just no, we're not doing, were they doing that to protect or were they furthering an agenda? You, you know, I, I think there's two parts to that question. In, initially, I think the local attorneys there were just doing what a lot of local attorneys across the country do, which is, oh, religion's on campus again. Get mm-hmm. the Lysol out. We got to clear this virus off right. the campus. Uh, and we see this all over the yeah, country because nobody wants a hassle. No, yeah. right. It's, it's as soon as yeah. a teacher or even a yeah. student starts talking about religion, uh, it's like this is the new pandemic. We've mm-hmm. got to we've got to inoculate this right now before it spreads and we go into lockdown. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what happens all the time. So I think that was the initial setup. Once we started going on appeal, they got new attorneys. These new attorneys come, I think, with with a more ideological bent, and now they start trying to change the facts from reality, uh, and which is hard to do because at the time this was all going down, you've got an email, for instance, from the superintendent to the top dog education guy in the state of Washington saying. This case has has changed from being about praying with the kids to a coach's right to be able to pray by himself on a knee at the 50-yard line, which is exactly what his commitment was and what we've now appealed to the Supreme Court of the United States. Now at the Supreme Court of the United States, they're trying to go back to saying he wants to somehow tell the kids what to do, which is the farthest from the truth. Again, the day that they suspended him, we actually have a question and answer that they posted on the website, on their website, that says there is indeed no evidence of any student being coerced to pray with Coach Kennedy. So you could say, well, let me play devil's advocate. You could say he's an authority. This is what they do all the time. You're an authority figure. And so just your mere um, doing it. Uh, and if somebody joins, maybe they get special favors or it might appear that you might become the coach's favorite. Yada, yada, yada. It's the power dynamic crap right. that they always shovel. But but wait a minute. Isn't that the argument that if it works there, it should work on every topic in school? Should it not? I mean, look, that's the First Amendment allows us to go to school and still be a person of faith. You don't have to. The the Supreme Court said that back in the 1960s, right? In Tinker v. Des Moines, that neither students nor teachers shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates. That's all he's ever been asking for. But that's precisely the argument that not only the school district has adopted, but also the Ninth Circuit has adopted here. And this is especially dangerous. And it came down, and this is, this is why they suspended him in the first place, is that because he is dressed like he's dressed right now with a Knights t-shirt or a polo shirt on, he's, he's kind of garbed in the school district's authority, uh, because the students can <laughs> see you. When I look at you in that <laughs> Nike shirt, I think authority. That's the man. Yeah, right. right. Especially when I buy all of this myself. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? right. <laughs> but because they can, the students can see you, 
Just seeing you engaged in a private act of silent prayer is enough to coerce them into some sort of religion and in their, their minds violate the establishment clause of the First Amendment. I just I hate to keep bringing this, but I cannot take the hypocrisy. I just read a story of a kindergarten teacher who is a man married to a man and is very offended uh, at the don't say gay thing, which doesn't say that at all. He his example was. How am I supposed to explain the picture of my husband and I on my desk? Well, wouldn't that apply? If you're going to use those rules, wouldn't that apply? Just the very presence of them seeing two men together on his desk, isn't that coercion then? But let's go back to something that is even more connected to the football field, Colin Kaepernick, right? Taking a knee in protest of the national anthem. There was a football team literally down the road from Bremerton High School whose coaches with the entire team would kneel in protest of the national anthem right while his case is going on. Those coaches, to my knowledge, remain employed today. Now, they filed a brief in support of Coach Kennedy when he went up to the Ninth Circuit saying, look, we don't necessarily agree with this whole prayer thing, but we want the right to be able to take a knee in protest of the national anthem with our players. Uh, and so the double standard on the First Amendment is just openly on display when you can say, look, you can take a knee and protest the national anthem. That doesn't violate the First Amendment. But dare to spend too much time on one knee and you could be perceived as engaged in prayer. Well, that's enough for us to be able to suspend and then later terminate you from this as well. And the ramifications of this are enormous. Did you think about disguising your prayer by taking a knee at the beginning of the game during the national anthem, because then they would have run for the hills. They would have, you'd be, they'd throw you a parade. Um, all right. Is it true that, I think it was the Ninth Court of Appeals, is it true that one of the judges actually said you're a bad Christian because you should be play, praying in oh, the closet? Oh, yeah, my buddy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was an interesting, so the entire opinion, the first half of the opinion is all, you know, he violated the free exercise or the, the establishment clause. So he's, he's violated one of the religion clauses. And then he wanted to have all the press look at him. How so do these people become judges if they don't understand that clause? Uh, talk to President uh, Obama about uh, that one. Or the one. facts Gosh. of the case. Yeah. Right. Jeez. So he, he's talking about the case. And so he, he shouldn't have been doing that. So he, he can't use the free speech clause. And he's talking to members of the media. So, that, you know, he's violating the, the freedom of the press clause as well. So it's the First yeah, Amendment. I'm a bad guy for talking to you right now. So he's a, yeah. he's a bad citizen. Could you, just for those who may not have, and I don't say this with any malice or, or mocking tone, for those who don't understand the First Amendment, can you just explain what they wrote and why the freedom of religion is and freedom of speech is there? Yeah, look, that's there to be to make sure that we do not have to hide who we are when we go out into public life and all aspects of who into our lives. Those natural rights, those rights that were given to us by God, the Declaration of Independence tells us about, right? These are the ones that the government is charged with protecting and preserving, not censoring. And there is a certain philosophy that says that they have to go out and censor these things because God didn't give them. No, that's not right. The First Amendment clearly makes the case that all these rights were given to us by God. If they're given to us by man, then they can be taken away. Correct. So we don't want that to be the case. So the free speech clause is there to say, no, I disagree with President so-and-so or Senator so-and-so, and you're right to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. In er 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 eras of history before, you'd lose your head for saying such Correct. things. Uh, the same thing when it comes to religion. The, 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 the design of the free exercise clause and the establishment clause was to say, you can worship and act according to the faith and the conscience that drives it, 
And the government can't tell you how to do that. So that's the two sides of that. Right. You're free to do it, and the government can't tell you what you must believe. And when it says that they will not establish religion, right. meaning they came from the system where the king was the pope. If you, He ran the Church of and England. And you go to the, churches, the king's church right. on these things. And if you didn't, you couldn't serve in the government. So they were saying... Government cannot make an established religion. They can't they can't say this religion. And yet, if you want to be mayor, you better go to this church. Oh, no, that's what the judge said to so me. That's, yeah, that gets us right at the judge there. So, that, so at the first half of the opinion, you've violated the free speech clause, the press clause, the, the establishment clause. The last paragraph of the opinion goes in to say, look, as I read the Bible, this is the judge. Now, this is a federal circuit court judge saying this now. As I read the Bible, it tells me that I'm supposed to go into my closet and pray, and I'm not supposed to do that in front of everybody else. And so on top of being a bad citizen, Coach is also a bad Christian. I knew that. If I, can I tell you, if the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals would ever rule in my favor, if I was in front of them, I would question everything I know. I'd be like, <laughs> I'm on the wrong side. <laughs> they agree with me. Okay, so, um, so where is this left now? So now the Ninth Circuit has ruled against him several times, as a matter of fact. We're now before the Supreme Court of the United States, and on April 25th of this year, he'll have his arguments there. Uh, and, and the goal in this case, is, as it has been from the very beginning, is really just two things. Make him a football coach again, and let him pray after the game by himself. That's it. That's all we've asked for in our complaint. That's what we're asking the Supreme Court to do here. Now, we're not unaware that there's greater ramifications here. If the Ninth Circuit's decision is allowed to stand, the ramifications are enormous. Enormous. Because if, if he can be fired for a silent prayer for 15 to 30 seconds because kids can see him, well then what happens when the teacher prays over her lunch in the cafeteria and students can see her praying for her salad? Uh, or what happens if the teacher wears a crucifix around his neck or a yarmulke on his head or a hijab around their head as well? All those are what the school district called demonstrative religious activity and that's sufficient for you to be terminated. If you really want to get silly about it, what happens if a student sneezes and a teacher says, God bless you? Well, that's a demonstrative act of religious activity. That could be sufficient for you to lose your, your job. No one should have to choose between their faith and their livelihood. I, you know, I love the fact that he said, if you really want to get uh, silly, <laughs> yeah. are you kidding me? Men can have periods. We're way beyond silly. Any of that stuff could happen. Which means not just for school, but how else does this affect yeah, the general? The immediate context would definitely be public school teachers and coaches. You know attorneys, though, and, and activists. Where does this go? No, look, I, I think that's exactly right, that uh, any public sector employee is standing to, to lose their job when it comes to religion. And look, I think groups like the National Education Association, for instance, they know that. They filed a brief against Coach Kennedy in this case, but even in their own brief, they say, look, you're probably going to rule against the school district in this case anyway. So let's do some uh, some correction of things because where we want his right to be able to freely exercise his faith, they want the right for teachers to be able to talk about CRT and other woke issues in the classroom. It's the same amendment that allows people to be able to have those discussions and have the truth come to the, to the top of things, not putting the censor bar down on everybody. So I don't even know if you can talk about this. How, how, what are you, what are you hoping for with the Supreme court? Who, who do you think is on your side and not on your side? And what's the appeal? How are you tailoring it for the well, Supreme Our biggest court? hope is just that coach Kennedy becomes a coach again and is able to pray. Hang after on. The game. Do, you, do you want to go back to Bremerton? Oh, absolutely. 
I'm a man of principle, I guess. And that's my hometown. My, my kids are, they live right by the school. All my family's there, all my friends. You Everybody, live in Florida now. I, I, I'm currently down in Florida. And taking, why did you move away? Uh, my, my wife's dad, he's, oh, okay. Okay. He's, he's having some issues. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so I kind of understand. It's a beautiful part of the country. Just the people have gone insane. Yes. I think they're waterlogged. I think that's that, what that it is. Be, well, you heard yeah. he, you heard his story. He, he had a rough growing like yeah. the first eighteen years of his life is just feet wanting to get out of Bremerton, and I mean lies, steals, cheats all the way through the entire process. Sorry, Joe, but I mean that's kind of what the life was like, right? <laughs> uh, it was rough, and he wanted to get out. <laughs> You've already been called a bad Christian know, by, by the Ninth Circuit yeah. Court. So might as well have my right. lawyer say it too. <laughs> so he wants to get out of Bremerton. He goes and serves in the Marine Corps, protects our freedoms there. Comes back, meets Jesus life changes now you know what i've done all the bad things i need to give back to this community and so his coaching time was really that chance to go back and say you know what? I, let me undo a lot of the wrongs i did here and on top of all that he's not the x's and o's coach he's the coach that comes and you know picks a kid's head up when he's had a bad play mm-hmm. uh, or maybe talks him down when he's getting a little too ahead of himself mm-hmm. uh, and, and the kids that are you know needing food after the game he takes to get a meal kids that need cleats because they can't afford them or a place to sleep because they're homeless that was his job, and that's what he did. And anything that they think they've done wrong, well, he's already done it. And so they're able to relate to him in that way. So that's the, look, that's the, that's the, the, the frightening thing about these kinds. We're going to drive good people like Joe Kennedy all across the nation out of teaching jobs, out of coaching I think that's, jobs. I think that's an intent myself. I think get rid of, get, the intent is to get rid of people like you, I, I think. Oh, it'd be a lot easier. For yeah. Me. But I will tell you that... Um, my son didn't know a thing about football at all. And he goes to the coach and is like, I want to try out for the football team. And uh, so he goes and runs a couple of plays, which he didn't even understand what that meant. Completely could not throw, could not catch. This is in high school in Texas. And uh, coach blows a whistle, calls him in and said, have you ever seen this game played before? <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, I tell you what, you just keep coming to practice. I don't know if you'll ever play, but and he applied himself and the coach would actually coach him, listen to him. It changed my son's life. It really changed my son's life. A good coach can change people. Tony Dungy this week just got in trouble because he's awesome. He's awesome because of what he said. You know, I understood that after I joined, I had a good dad. And then I saw all these players come up and they didn't. And they just need that. kind. He got in trouble for that. I mean, you're, what are you going to have? An algorithm be the coach eventually? I, I guess they just want X's and O's and don't worry about the people actually doing them. It's been fun to see the support that he has received. I mean, you've got guys like Nick Foles and uh, Daryl Green, the ageless wonder from from our growing up years, and Bobby Bowden and Tommy Bowden and all these other. I'm assuming these are football people. My son didn't know how to, had never seen the game. Steve Largent. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there you go. Chad Henney's like all these football greats. They've all come out and filed legal briefs in support of Coach Kennedy, saying all the same thing. Look. Uh, this is an, coaches play an enormously important role in everybody's lives. Uh, and what they bring to the field is what they bring to the field. Don't censor them because they simply have this private moment of, of uh, prayer by themselves on the field. I have to tell you, if my son, if my son's, co- I don't even know if, you know, what religion my coach, you know, for my son is. If he was a Muslim and he got down and he said a prayer, I don't care. 
I don't care. I'd love to have my son see somebody humbled, especially after a winning game, humbled and thanking God. That that to me is worth the price of admission. I don't care what religion. I mean, uh, I mean, if yeah. you're the you know a devil worshiper, you know, maybe uh, I don't really want that around my kids. But other than that, I don't understand the problem other than they can't control it. I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, welcome to America. Yeah, the coach tells a great story, actually, of one of his assistant coaches on the team that was Buddhist. Uh, and after he was suspended from the game, I mean, he, you tell it, Coach. Oh, yeah. So it was when I was out in the stands, and it was when they locked down the field. They put up all the, uh, the signs, do not uh, approach the field. They had cops on the field and standing behind me to make sure I didn't go rushing out to the 50-yard line. Uh, it was comical. I'd always do selfies with, with the cops and stuff. And, hey, these are my personal security guys. <laughs> but, uh, and it, it was just so cool to see my buddy go out there. And he went up to the athletic director, talked to him, and walked out to the middle of the field, took a look at the 50-yard the line, and he did his little, little uh, he's a practicing Buddhist. He just did his little chant, his moment of reflection or whatever he does. And I, I really wanted to take a picture, but I was like, that is exactly what America is about. And that's why I'm still fighting is because of that. And it was such a perfect moment to see somebody exercising their freedom right there, even though I was not allowed to. So when will we know? Well, we should know by the end of June this year whether or not Coach will be a football coach again and able to go to the knee by himself in prayer after the games. I, I, I think we're going to have some very interesting discussions at the Supreme Court because the, the facts as are, they are in reality versus what the lawyers have now made them to be on the other side, I think the justices are going to ask a lot of very penetrating questions on that point to get down to the marrow of the issue. Isn't that, can't, can't you be disbarred for doing things like that? Well, I mean, that's not for me to say. But no, look, but I mean, the, if, if, if I'm present, I'm an attorney, and I'm presenting to any judge facts that are not right i mean you know i know there's fudge factor of dressing you know things up but if i'm presenting something that is not right and it's verifiably not right well there's an old saying in the law that says if your case is strong in the law pound the law the strong if it's strong on the facts pound the facts if it's strong in neither then just pound the table and I, I see the other side here very much just simply pounding the table because they know they lose on the law. They know that they would lose on the facts in reality. So they have to distract from both of those things and just simply pound the table until they get the justice that they think they deserve. We are, we're in a new era. I mean, I don't, I, I, I mean, I've said for years, what is up is going to be down. Everything you thought was solid will be liquid and it will be inside out. We are absolutely there. However, recently, the Supreme Court has been good for religious liberty, hasn't it? It has. Yes, very much so. Has anything changed besides this new justice that can't, doesn't know what a woman is? <laughs> well, she won't be on the bench when, uh, when he okay. has the argument here. Uh, but look, I, I think when we went there a couple of years ago, the first time we appealed to the Supreme Court, and they sent it back down because they needed a, a few more pieces of clarification that we were able to get through discovery, and, and only to our benefit at that point. Uh, the justices at that point, at least four of them, said this looks to be very egregious and a very terrible uh, deprival of his rights under the Constitution. If the facts stand up to be what they, we think they are, then we're going to have a lot of words to say. That court from then till now has only shifted to the right. So I, I, don't, I, I think we've got solid four votes then. We've <sighs> certainly got, I think, five right now. But 
you know what? It's a fool's errand to handicap the Supreme Court. So we shall see what they do with this case in a couple weeks. Well, uh, we'd love to have you on once you get the verdict. To, we'll do it. To know. We'll pray for you. We'll have to have you back out to the uh, left coast and maybe have you at a football game. <laughs> Last time I went to Seattle, it took almost a SWAT team to escort me through. <laughs> well, good thing I got the qualifications. That's Let's right. go. That's right. God bless you. Thank you so much thank for you everything so much. you do. You're and awesome. thank you as always. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 